0: Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf.
1: This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. to be with
0: you on this Tuesday. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Terrific service department. Backs it up every step of the way at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf and online at SunburyMotors.com. Ben Johnson informs the Seahawks and Commanders he will stay with the Lions. Okay. Well, that's great. Uh, Yeah. I don't know if it's great if you're Washington, for example, that uh, the uh, (laughs) – I'd rather be an offensive coordinator where I am now than be the head coach for you. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, I'm. I'm big, I was gonna say, does he want to be a head coach? I. It's. I mean, this is the second off season in a row. Well, maybe not. I don't know. It's that's a. Uh, why interview for it then? Uh, that's. I. I, I I don't know. I, I it's just it's just strange to me. It's just a little strange to me that you know t- these two straight. I guess I I mean I guess he believes it just as much in Dan Campbell as the players do. Maybe
0: it could very well be, um, or he looks at the
1: situation and doesn't like the situation. Well, I <laughs> I realize Dan Snyder isn't there anymore, but I, I wonder if it's still a little strange with the the two basketball guys in charge now.
0: It. Uh, who knows? Uh, it, that's it, it's it's int- it's interesting. Now, first of all, what do you think of your current situation? Let's start with that. Um, and if you are content with your current situation, like the people you work with and so forth, well. Maybe that's where you, you know, that's where you stand. Um, I don't know. Uh, everybody has their, um, their own way of what, how they want to, um, conduct their own life and their own career and maybe he's happy with what he's doing right now maybe he just likes being on that side of the ball I don't know maybe he doesn't like the maybe he went to the interviews with Seattle and Washington and said uh, I don't want to do this or maybe he went to the interviews and got the sense he wasn't going to get the jobs and thus withdrew his name
1: right yeah, it's just it's it's also it seems, I don't know. Everybody wants to get ahead in this world, and it just it that that part of it's a little odd to me. And and much respect to him if he feels like that situation is is better for him than being a head man. And you know we've seen what the stress has done to, to head coaches in, in college and NFL football, and maybe he sees that too. But again,
0: maybe he went through the interviews and got the sense he wasn't going to get it. Yeah. So you then publicly pull your name out yeah I mean that I mean that's a possibility too. There's a lot of things that come into play here. It's more than just um just that um, but that's interesting uh, The Washington situation is interesting in that with the new ownership, the franchise has such a bad reputation that it's going to take a lot for Josh Harris and everybody else to turn the thing around. Um, And I, I don't know. Um, The, I mean, everybody has their own deal. Um, Like, I mean, I'm in a profession where a lot of people would think you want to be in the NFL and so forth, right? Yet, like, you know, Don Fisher's been at, at Indiana 51 years. Johnny Holiday has been 44 years at Maryland. You uh, know, uh, Paul Keels is up over 30 years. Same thing with Gary Dolphin. All right. Now, Dolph did try and, and do some uh, move up, and so did Paul, because Gary was with the Bulls for a period of time. Paul did some Bengals games for a period of time. But for the most part, college guys have stayed in college. I wonder if this is just a case where he just likes what he's doing. Um, Who knows? Could very well, you know, who knows? Um, Interesting decision. Because it looked like he was, quote, the hot guy.
1: Sorry, I went away for a little bit. Mr. Cotrillo is on the line. And we welcome in the
0: master of the rant, the person that feels he speaks for the common man, yet in the process of ranting confuses the common man. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt (laughs) Cotrillo.
2: I'm going to start it off with a question for you, Mr. Steve Jones. When you think of the phrase, who's got it better than us, what teams come to mind? Let's just keep it in the NFL.
0: What teams would
2: come to mind?
0: Kansas City Chiefs.
2: Exactly. Teams like the Chiefs. The team that would least think of, you would think of, is in that division, and that is the Los Angeles Chargers, who started this quote of. Who's got it better than us after they brought in the one and only Jim Harbaugh. I quote tweeted it and said, I can think of a million other teams, things and people than you do. Because listen, this is this was put out by Dean Spanos, the brilliant owner at the Chargers, who brought the team to a city that didn't want them and still doesn't give a flying woenda about them. And that's seen his team underachieve and choke year in and year out, including the 27 nothing lead against the Jaguars two years ago in the wild card game, to now bringing in a guy that is running away from possible, I say that in capital letters because who knows with the NCAA, that's a whole other discussion, NCAA violations. And a guy that's been a head case wherever he's gone. I think. There's plenty of other people, including me, as an Eagles fan, that's got it better than the Los Angeles Chargers. When I saw that, I, I had to walk out of the room because that is probably the dumbest thing I've ever seen a team tweet at ever just because you got a guy in Jim Harbaugh for your supposedly good head coaching position. Please spare me. There are many other things that have it better. Penn State football has it better than Los Angeles Chargers. The Eagles have it better than Los Angeles Chargers. I have it better than Los Angeles Chargers. Beatty has it better than Los Angeles Chargers. And you, my friend Steve Jones, have it better than Los Angeles Chargers. So let's start off today by just clarifying that.
0: So you're not a big Chargers fan?
2: <laughs> no, nobody is. Nobody wants them. But they just just got that, that they just got thrown bad. there in LA because he wanted to be there in the new fancy stadium. That not only people care about are the Rams, whatever music star wants to go in there, and the Super Bowl when it goes back there in a few years. Nobody cares about the Chargers organization, period. The team played in a stinking soccer stadium for two years, and they couldn't even fill that up with their own fans. Nobody cares about the Chargers.
0: It's interesting because Penn State practiced there for the Rose Bowl. and I remember Jack and I were... I mean, and they had practiced there in 16 as well, so it's not like... And they practiced there in 2008, and they have always practiced there, as a matter of fact. In fact, that's where I met Tommy Lasorda was in 2008 there. Uh, speaks highly of you, by the way. Uh, and
2: Oh, that's a compliment, I take that.
0: Uh, yeah, no, no, like, he says, you, you know Matt Catrillo, Steven? He goes, yeah, Tommy, I do. And, and he, he told, like... 18 minutes of stories, using your name. None of them were about you, but use your name. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, uh, I remember I was standing there last year during practice, and we're looking around the stadium, and I said, can you believe that an NFL team played in this place for two years? And Jack looks at me and goes, that's insane. Because there's only 27,000 seats there. It's not very big. i like, you know the, the neighborhood around it. There isn't a lot of parking or anything. It just made no sense. Made none. So we'll put you down as not a big Chargers fans, even even though plenty of tickets are available.
2: Uh, that is correct. I'll go if the Eagles are playing there, and will gladly wear my Eagles thing and um, in my Eagles jersey and uh, troll the place because it's a joke. But the uh, other than that, no.
0: You won't be alone, by the way. Because no, I know that would be great. That's that's one thing about that place, which is remarkable. They draw everybody else's fans. They're the only home team in the NFL that has to do the noise drill and practice it for a home game.
2: There you go. But who has it better than us, really?
0: <laughs> it's
2: I know. It's remarkable. Yeah.
0: It's remarkable. Uh, you have new coordinators
2: telling more that is next on the agenda Vic Fangio Um, it doesn't shock me but you're still staying with the same philosophy that was dismal this year and in the Super Bowl and that man played a hat in the game plan for the Super Bowl because the Eagles brought him in for those two weeks to be an advisor for that reason I mean, this is like banging my head against the wall. That presser with Howie Roseman and with Nick Sirianni—it all sounds good, but that's a lot that that you have to swallow of your own pride, both him and Nick Sirianni, and say you're, and, and then actually, then actually doing it. So the, the, I, there's a lot of I need to see it before I believe it when it comes to this direction that the Eagles are trying to go in. I, I mean. Again, this guy He's the, The numbers speak for themselves I get that That every time he's gone to a new team They've exponentially gone up in their numbers overall In terms of total defense, points allowed Stuff like that I get that But that hasn't been sustained After year one Now he does blitz a little bit more Which is nice But again I want a guy that comes in here and blitz more So I, maybe it might look good at, next year in year one, but how does it look in 2025 and beyond? I don't know that. Are we making then? Are we making another coordinator change after that? But not only that too. Say things don't go off so well in 2024, and Nick Sirianni supposedly the CEO head coach now that nobody that he doesn't have to have to worry about anything. He can just kind of let everybody do their thing. But until when does he make a move and start to panic again and yanks them? So there's that factor, too. And it's the same thing with the offensive coordinator. I don't necessarily have a problem bringing in Kellen Moore. I think the Eagles could have done better in bringing in a guy like a Frank Reich, for an example. But you look at Kellen Moore, there were things out there that that also kind of rubbed me the wrong way about how media's put it out. There's some fake news this week about uh, supposedly how he was not good with the run game and implementing the run game. Then Rue put out these stats, our friend Ruben Frank, that he was 6th and 7th in a couple different rushing categories as the offensive coordinator with his four years in Dallas. Now, things didn't go great last year, but again, we're talking about the Chargers. I think I've said enough about that. So It's not a, it's not a bad hire, but I'm not jumping up and down about it either. But again, it comes back to the head coach when he says you're going to put in a mesh of, what, of things we did last year, but other than that, I'm going to let the OC do his own thing. Well, define what a mesh is. And again, when things are going wrong, what does that mesh look like? So this all sounds good, bringing in the experience. I don't mind that part. That's exactly what's needed. But does Nick Sirianni truly be the CEO and let everybody do their own thing for it, for a year? Or is he going to panic and come back in and put the hammer down when he doesn't necessarily have to and things go awry yet again? There's a lot that has to happen. So. I really don't like the Vangio hiring. I don't mind the Kellen Moore hiring, but when it comes to both hires, it comes back to the head coach and Nick Sirianni and how he handles them.
0: Okay, well, in all seriousness, it doesn't really matter to me in some ways who the coordinators are, though Kellen Moore to me is uh, one of those where he's had opportunities, but I've never been able to really see it with him. Uh, But that's just a personal observation the issue the Eagles have let's start with defensively is personnel it's not scheme it's personnel Uh, I've watched Penn State basketball now all season and in this season uh, it goes back to what I said in the preseason people kept asking me you know, what, you know, what do you think? What does Mike have? And I kept telling everybody in speaking engagements, I said, to be honest with you, as I've been watching the practice, I'm not quite sure. And I told everybody, I just wasn't sure. You know, watching the practice, how do they mesh, things like that. All right? And now that I've watched them in 20 games, Penn State, and I told Paul Keels at Ohio State this, I said, for the first 64 feet, Penn State is a great defensive team. The last 30 feet, they really struggle. This is the equivalent. Dick Girardi and I talked about this, and this relates to the Philadelphia Eagles, because I'm going to bring it back here. The Penn State defense, basketball-wise, is a lot like a team with a great pass rush. When they are getting sacks, and in basketball this would be steals, deflections, disruptions, when they're getting sacks and hurries... They're a great defensive team. And the Eagles last year were a team that had 70 sacks. That dropped down this year to 43 sacks. And what happened in the Super Bowl, for example, against Kansas City, what didn't they do? They didn't get to Patrick Mahomes, and he picked them apart because their back seven personnel is flat out not good enough. This year, they went from 70 sacks to 43, which meant that their back seven personnel had to play coverage. They're not good enough, right? Same thing when it comes to the basketball comparison. Dick and I are watching this team play basketball, and when they're getting steals, deflections, runouts, pick sixes, which is what we refer to it as, they are playing winning basketball. Right? When they have to settle into playing half-court defense where they struggle, there are times they get picked apart. And your problem with Philadelphia is not a coordinator problem. Your problem in Philadelphia is flat out a personnel problem. Your back seven, just they are just not good enough. And because they could not generate the same pressure up front this year that they generated the year before, right? that then caused that back seven to be repeatedly exposed on a week in and week out basis and there's no coordinator that's going to solve a personnel issue. You have a personnel issue.
2: No, I actually I like that example. I 100% agree. It does start with personnel. And I I'm just never been a fan of of the scheme per se. Well, let's just use Jonathan Gannon here, Fangio, the whole that whole coaching tree. But if they get the personnel to fit it, well, then, fine. I mean, that's that's their job. But I, I definitely agree. No matter who you brought in, it, it, it definitely starts with the personnel. The defensive line needs revamped. Linebackers need pretty much all, all the positions need revamped on the defense. But especially the back seven is needs a lot of work, and you just need to add a little few more pieces to the defensive line to kind of recool that. The entire back seven for the Eagles. You're right, completely. Needs to be re, like start from scratch and rebuild it. There's no I mean, question about that. So, again, again I, I agree. It's personnel first before coordinator. I'm just not a fan of the scheme, no matter what kind of personnel you yeah. have, but no Jonathan, question. It's personnel first for the Eagles in terms of defense.
0: I think what Jonathan Gannon did to his credit is he looked at it and he knew he had a problem. So, he did everything he could to get pressure up front. Everything he could. Uh, Redick was a big payoff for them not a little payoff for him, a big payoff for them Redick has been terrific for two years for them uh, but again I think he understood and at that point you're doing everything you can to see if you can somehow get through without being exposed and when they finally play can't they couldn't be exposed against San Francisco last year because they hurt Purdy in the first quarter of the game so there was no opportunity for San Francisco to expose them last year. The Giants aren't good enough. They weren't going to expose Philadelphia, right? And people were saying to me this year, well, look how difficult the schedule was. Yeah, they finally faced quarterbacks. They could take them and, and they look at that carcass and pick it apart. I mean and that, it's not a, again, it's a personnel issue. It is not a scheme issue scheme is always the fallback for people who just want to talk at parties, right? They never want to recognize it's that personnel dictates scheme.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think that was a perfect comparison right there.
0: Well, I hope the kids are doing well. Just remember, you've got a family. You know,
2: <laughs> you know what? It, it, it's great. You know, we I have Luke teaching John Paul how to sing the Sixers song. Luke oh, thinks Jalen Hurts great. is his invisible best friend, and is a firefighter, so it's great.
0: Ah, you know what, what Jalen Hurts and, and Joel Embiid have in common?
2: What would that be?
0: No championships. All right, So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Hurts.
0: Now, well, the city's a little lean on that. A little lean.
1: Yeah, not great. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. What do you feel like?
0: Matt skirts the line between genius and insanity.
1: I'm not sure he skirts. Oh, (laughs) Todd. I love it. You're becoming more like me. Today's
0: (laughs) show brought to you by... I feel so proud. Today's show brought to you by our great friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street and Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Umbles Wharf online, sunburymotors.com, Ford Kia, Hyundai, the best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory with the all-important Sunbury Motors guarantee. They go over every vehicle. And a terrific service department that backs it up every step of the way. Routine, difficult, they handle it all. At Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, here, Routes 11 and 15, Humble's Wharf. Online, sunburymotors.com. We now bring in one of the best in the business, and that is Mr. Nate Bauer on 3.com, Blue White Illustrated. Sir, always a pleasure.
3: <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. What's going on?
0: Well, oh, they just point me toward whatever I talk, you know. Sure. You know. Court field, I can do it. Uh, so let me give you let me give you an analogy that Dick Girardi and I have kicked around a little bit about the Penn State basketball defense, and this is the analogy the two of us have come to. We equate Penn State's basketball defense, because Paul Keels was asking me about it at Ohio State, and I said, Paul, first 64 feet, they're fabulous. The last 30 feet are a real struggle. We equate that to a team with a great pass rush, that when they're getting sacks and hurries, the defense is playing great. And in this case, sacks and hurries would be steals, runouts, deflections, disruptions, things like that. And when the pass rush doesn't get there, the back seven gets exposed
3: yeah yeah i uh, i'm I'm kind of on board with it i I would say two things I think that defense is a want to do yeah right
0: yep exactly
3: and so. Yes, there is an element of when they want to, they can be they they have the length to be disruptive. They have, I mean, a guy like Kern, right? Four yeah. those sixty-four feet, as you said, they they can be excellent at times. Right now, certainly there are lineups that can't do it physically. Like they're just they're not they're not really capable of it. But yeah. when they want to, yeah. And, and to be honest with you, I asked Rhodes about it yesterday in, at his weekly press conference. I, I said, you know, if you're reading the body language of in game, right? After makes, and it's not all the time, but after no. makes, the most demonstrative he is is when they don't get set up, right? When, That's when, right. Somebody, when somebody, when a piece of the puzzle isn't on board and doesn't execute whatever they're running, whether it's the press or a trap or what have you, clearly there are things that are designed to happen after certain makes, not all the time, but after certain makes, and he loses it because he's frustrated not because they can't do it, but because the lineups that he has in at those moments is very capable, can do it, can be disruptive, can turn the game, but doesn't doesn't do it, and that's that's what he that's what he said yesterday. He said he said you have to want to. He's like you have to want to press. Uh, bottom line, and and I mean Steve, I'm I'm fascinated to hear your insight on this. But years ago, I had a conversation that was very eye opening to me, uh, just to, with a staffer, right? And effectively, the conversation was like. The average fan, casual observer, whatever, including me at that time in my career, doesn't understand that you have five players out on the court. They don't do what you want them to do a lot.
2: <laughs>
3: right? like There's a significant portion of time where you can jump and down, up and down, you can you can scream, you can yell, you can try to put them in the right positions while you want, but they just don't do it. And you can't make subs every trip up the court. No. <laughs> so, so there are certain things that you have to live with. As a coach, you're hoping as much as possible that as many of the guys on the floor as possible. Uh, Rhodes talks about being connected to the game. Yep. That's it. That's what it is. Is it, And so th- I, I think the thing that's frustrating for him in particular is with the press, if if they're connected, if they feel good, if the mojo is happening, they execute it and it's awesome. It is it is potent. But when when they don't feel good, uh, other teams are making shots, what have you, one, the press doesn't happen off of their own miss. That's and right. then two, they just get slaughtered in their on ball defense. I mean they just they're just there's no resistance and really uh, like being blunt about it nobodys nobody's protecting the rent they don't they don't have that
0: right well there's a, there's the other element is this, and you asked you know you'd be interested to hear what I had to say about it one thing that that I don't think people understand about sports, whether it's football or basketball, if one guy either can't or won't do it or is incapable of it it fouls the whole thing up. It's amazing in football. If one guy can't grasp a play, you can't use the play. People say, oh, no, no. Believe me, if one guy fouls it up in practice repeatedly, you can't use it. Same thing in basketball. You could have four guys out there that are doing exactly what Mike wants, and if the fifth guy is lost... Guess what? The whole thing, the yep. whole thing needs to be scrapped, and that's one of the problems yep. he has. He doesn't have enough guys. Where it's five guys doing doing what they need to on a consistent basis, he'll have one or two sometimes that are getting lost in what they're trying to do. That's what I'm saying.
3: Yep. Yep. No, hundred percent. And and you know, I think I think this is. I don't want this to sound more salacious than it is, but it's a it's a combination of don't know. And don't want to. This <laughs> is kind of the bottom line. Is he's got this collection of players this year that are are fascinating to me because you he had to he had to bring this roster together so haphazardly, right? And and they they made every concerted effort to to pair the right to blend the right personalities and what what have you, but. This, this is this is what you have, right? Is is a team that has players who have talent for one reason or another that couldn't translate that talent to the floor at other stops. Maybe are rising a level, uh, you, you name it, right? You have all of these different situations, and if they had had a year, right? Like this is this is a year of experiences. That you'll see whether or not they can parlay them into better things next year or not, but you're going to have missing ingredients from that <laughs> there there's certain pieces right. that aren't going to be here next year they're not they 're not going to be playing for penn state next year no I know uh, that. and
0: i already right? I have a pretty good idea which ones aren't so
3: yeah so so it's it's just a it's just a fascinating dynamic right now and the thing that I think uh you know he's he's very measured with his words about it because you know obviously you don't want to lose a team and you don't want you don't want guys to get frustrated you still have two-thirds of your or excuse me a third of your games to play right but uh the frustration is that there are there are the guys the bodies on the roster to be able to execute you've seen it you've seen it in a bunch of Mm -hmm. these games they can play with just about anybody okay you got run at michigan state Zach Eadie does what he does. That that's going to happen, okay. But every other game that they've played this season, every single one, truly, that they have been able to play with their opponents. But they're just they just don't have they don't have those shared experiences to be able to trust one another and execute. And, and it, when I say trust one another, that's on the floor with each other. that's that's the coaching staff. That's the direction that's being given to them. They don't have that trust built up, that scar tissue uh, to to be able to fight through it.
0: right and And you're in a league right now which is jumbled. I mean, it's jumbled. Yeah. I mean, they actually have, I mean, despite what happened the other night, they actually have opportunities coming up with a bunch of winnable games. Where, to me, they're 50-50 games. Now, you're playing on the road. They haven't won on the road yet, and they've got two of them this week. But there's not a significant, tremendous difference between the teams that they're playing and who they are right now, except for that shared experience part.
3: Yeah, 100%. 100%. And, again, I mean, I, I just think the the frustration that he's exhibiting now, and it's and it's, you know, he keeps it mellow, and, um, yeah. You know, I think he's he's trying to motivate as much as he can. And forget motivating through the media; it's not that he's, he's telling no. those guys the same thing to their face. Oh, I'm there. I mean, I'm there. I see it. But
0: what's that? I'm there. I hear it. I see it. So bully me. He's, yeah. You know, yeah.
3: Yeah. So so you know the, you're trying to have that message, and it's just it just hasn't resonated, and so the the. The the thing that I think uh builds on the frustration is it's not it's not as though you just have mutts that you're trying to squeeze all of the juice out of.
0: That's right. Yep. <laughs>
3: right right these guys these guys can play you got a bunch of them that can play and, and certainly there are some limitations they're going to get out rebounded those things are going to happen um right you, you understand some of those dynamics and the vulnerabilities and deficiencies that they have but they also have some talented scorers they have some talent um you, you know in uh, on the wings They they have some shooters who haven't shot it and but the message that he keeps pounding home and again it's kinda under the radar is look, if if you guys were willing to put in the work, you you could meet that potential. But right. it just it just hasn't happened. They haven't quite got over that right. hump. And the lessons of the success, including what they did to Wisconsin, uh the, the lessons of success what they did against Ohio State at home, right? All of those lessons, both positive and negative uh, you know they just they haven't been able to to translate those into consistency
0: there's the other part too you try to put together a team in 59 days then when you finally get he, them here there's a changeover in strength and conditioning because greg miskinnis ended up taking the notre dame job so greg golden's only been here what eight months i mean to this point They have not put in really, I mean, they're only in the initial stages of putting in the type of strength and conditioning program that Mike needs to have in place for the style of play he wants to play. Uh, And you have to actually stack a couple of years in it, because right now you have some guys that are decent-looking players, but they don't have, even as veterans, don't have Big Ten bodies yet.
3: Yeah, and, they, and and I mean, it's not just it's not just Big Ten bodies; it's the conditioning to be able to to move up and down the floor the way that Mike exactly to, right yep. they they're just it's just it's just not there. It just it's just a fascinating it, being seeing this over the last right the evolution of the program over the last what let's call it four or five years right. So the end of Pat Chambers, the 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 fairy year, you, you got two years of Micah, and now this. Micah's first year, there weren't any players, right? He just didn't have a lot of guys. He had he had John Harris, who gave everything he had and more, right? But it was just right. it was about survival at that point, right? Uh, Micah goes to Notre Dame and takes well, yeah, well, three let, I mean,
0: actually, let's be a little, a little fair about it. He still had Miles Dredd. He still had Seth Lundy to go with. <laughs> To go with John Harrah, and then a developing Jalen Pickett. Right, so there was at least a a foundation there to set up the next year. Because the only guy of that group you were going to lose was John Harrah,
3: no doubt. But but we're still talking about four players, right? We didn't we didn't have. They didn't have the complementing pieces. They didn't have the depth right. to be able to pull it off, and that played out over and over and over again yep. in the sense that they were close. They would put yep. up a fight, and they, they came yep. close a lot, but, but sure. they just they just didn't have that depth. This team actually does have depth. This team yep. does have some of those things, but the difference is, and it's, again, it's just fascinating to me, Shrewsbury was able to go to Notre Dame and take three freshmen, right? The, these incoming freshmen, That would have made a world of difference, right? If if Rhodes could have, and he talked about it this summer, if he could have built and had a diversity of scholarship distribution on this on this class on in this roster, things would be different. If Evan McHaeve is at Penn State right now, things would be different. Kevin Jai, but you like it's it's just a it's just a weird crossroads now for them because. They have decisions to make as to are you the unknown of the portal got them into this spot that they're in right now, yep. so you don't really want to go back to it. Mike Rhodes is a developmental guy he's going to develop players he's like yep. that's the way they want to build this this program is they want to bring in freshmen right but you you've got immediate needs they've got immediate things that they've got to resolve. Uh, in terms of size, some of the athleticism, and yeah, some of the some of the attitude stuff, some of the want-to stuff, that they've got to be able to, to to bridge this transition between this year and finishing out this year strong, and try to take the guys who are on board and want to be part of it, and and get them to uh, to make the next steps, uh, you know, for next season.
0: I mean, there are certain programs that have been able to do okay when it comes to the transfer portal of doing things en masse, and I can understand wanting experienced players, but I think the way Mike wants to do it is the way he was doing at VCU. He wants to develop his own guys. Oh, and by the way, fill in a gap here and there. For example, he had a shooter out of the University of Hartford that played for him last yep. year at VCU that helped him a lot. I mean, essentially, that's how Mike wants to build it. This past year was how he was forced to build it.
3: Well, and and if you want a shining example of his development, look no further than than Nick Kern.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Nick's been great. Is,
3: he, he's he's a different player, and he is he is the type of example of of what they can be. Right? It's just it's just a matter. You you need a team full of them. You need a team full of them, and. You know, for for one reason or another, they just they haven't been able to uh, to get there. But it's it's just again, it's it's such a tantalizing group because it's not hopeless.
0: <laughs> no, no, it's oh not God. not in the least. It's not in the least. But no. you, you know, I mean, people are down because they had a fifteen point lead against a team that you know. Let's face it. Yeah, you know, I think I still think they're better than. I mean, I think yeah. Minnesota's improved, but you know, I mean, Penn State. Had, you know, but it turned out that you know they they hit a lot of shots in that game, and that made a big difference. And you know, when you I stated at the beginning of the second half, Dick, you have to make fifteen, you have to make fourteen twenty. You can't make fourteen five. Yep. That's how the star, yep. that's how I started the second half. I said that. And what happened was Minnesota made fourteen five. and guess what? Then it became a big problem.
3: Steve, you're 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 way more attuned to this than I am. Through ten minutes in the second half, through the first ten minutes of the second half, Minnesota was scoring
0: over two points per possession. Two point seven points per know, possession.
3: I don't know that I've seen that.
0: No, neither way. Neither I way. I mean,
3: it's it, it ungodly like it's unthinkable to allow that type of offensive efficiency. And right, they just they just you know, they, they keeled over. But I, I, it's again, this conversation of, yeah, that happened and they blew a big lead and, and all of that stuff happened. They, they disconnected from the game. By the yep. time they turned it back on, it was too late. That's a fine argument. If Kanye Clary and Nick Kern are in that game in last the last three minutes,
0: they got a shot. They have a shot. Maybe it doesn't it's, go it, that it, way. Because it, it's a one point game. I mean, the game's yep. tied at 70. I mean, it's not like yep. it's, not, you know, <clears throat> the end goes haywire because you don't have Kanye or Nick Kern out there. So you don't have Kern as a defender, and Kanye is a potential finisher. I mean, you're losing 19 points a game at that point from one guy, and about seven a the game, you're losing 26 points a game between two guys and, and a guy that's one of your better defenders. Yep.
3: Yep. So it's it's just this uh, this season of of interesting frustrations that they've had. But um, you know, I, if I was a betting man and I am not, and obviously I don't bet on Penn State games, Oof. but are you going to bet against them at Rutgers against a, a two and six Rutgers team? No, what? of course not.
0: I mean, a t- no. Rutger, you know, I mean, Rutgers thirteen point two offensive rebounds per game, two fifty eight offensively, an adjusted efficiency uh, that is only lost twice at home. But they don't put the fear of you know what into you. Yep, I mean, not at all. It's just it's just the
3: first half. Penn State in that ten minute run where they go twenty two to two, right. It took them. It took Penn State nine and a half minutes to get their first turnover from Minnesota. The other night, right? That's that's, right. that's not by design. That's not right. So it, it wasn't even really twenty minutes of basketball. It was ten minutes of basketball, but those ten minutes were joyful. <laughs> like, yeah, like I right. can't describe it. It's it it is. It's it was the basketball. epitome of what Mike Rose wants to do and what they're capable of doing. And it wasn't just because Kanye Clary was lighting it up that somebody got hot it was the opposite of that they right. played as a team
2: yeah they
3: they and it was on both ends of the floor i mean they just dictated they did everything right that they wanted to on offense and defense but they just they can't sustain it and and it's not and again not a matter of can't sustain it it's just being able to take some strides to develop this process to where they're able to do it for longer stretches and to not have as wide of lapses, as you said, right? To, to, to be able to to not have, what was it at Purdue? 27 to 2, right? Yeah. It's gotta I, be 15, 15 to 4.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I lived, I lived through them. it. Yeah. Yeah, it was 27 to 2. I lived through it. Yeah, I remember it. <laughs> yeah. All right. My friend, always great to talk with you.
3: Thanks so much for having me. <laughs>
0: The Outstanding Nate Bauer on 3.com, Blue White Illustrated. Neil Kulong in the next half hour here on News Radio 1070, WKOK.